This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine. Only on the BetQL Network. With my co-host, Brendan Tobin, who's just crazy and thinks that Jorge Mazadal is currently a more popular fighter than Sean O'Malley. Uh, whatever. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. What do I know? Let's welcome on the voice of reason, Clip McLean from at Diehard MMA Pod. Uh, before we get into fighting, let's talk a little bit of football because you're wearing a Vikings hoodie. You got a Vikings hat in the background. You got a Vikings big head. I think the Vikings are one of, if not the luckiest team that we've ever seen, not just in the history of the NFL, but of sports. There's no way this should work where the numbers just don't add up. They shouldn't win that many games. And they haven't scored as many points as their opponents. It's just crazy to me. Sell people why they should actually, once the playoffs start, why they should actually put their money that they earned, went to work and earned, on the Minnesota Vikings. Because if you guys go back a season or two, the exact opposite of this situation happened. We were losing every single damn game by a field goal, and it drove me absolutely nuts. Zimmer's game plan came down to us needing that final field goal to go ahead and get the win. At least this time, we're going for it on fourth down. At least this time, we're pushing the pace. We're being rewarded for being aggressive. So because of that, we're getting all those bounces that we missed out on a year ago. I don't know, man. Starting to feel like the season of destiny to me. Uh, switch on over to uh, to MMA. Uh, you got uh, this title fight coming up in a couple weeks. You know, it's been a big lull lately, you know, but what did you make of the whole thing that went down with light heavyweight with the, you know, the the mess that was last year? And, and what do you think about us landing on, you know, Glover Chair versus Jamal Hill coming up uh, the next pay-per-view? Man, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess at light heavyweight right now. I mean, I kind of feel for Megamed and Clive, but at the same time, UFC doesn't want boring fighters anymore. You can't have a guy with the belt around his waist that's willing to coast like that, especially after the fight that Glover and Jiri put on the year before for the title. Like, you can't go from having that kind of a high pace, high action, blood pumping type of fight to a snooze fest. You know, a guy that's going to slow down the pace as your champion fight in and fight out. I think Dana White's sending a message, frankly. And honestly, Jamal Hill is the guy that I peg for being the next title holder anyway. I think he beats everybody in the division. His hands are fast. He hits hard. His get-up game is good. He just got his BJJ Brown belt. The guy's getting better every time we see him. I like Jamal Hill. I mean, he's a fun guy to watch. He's an action-packed fighter. He's a banger. He's the kind of guy you want up there with the belt around his waist anyway. Clint, another title fight we've got coming up is Volkanovski taking on islam and it's crazy how islam he's always been super respected even by the odds makers right like in that fight against charlie Olives, he came in as the favorite he showed us why that was a very one-sided fight 
That being said, I cannot believe that Volkanovski is as big as an underdog as he is. Would you play that dog money on Volk, who right now, by the way, is the pound-for-pound best fighter in the world? It feels disrespectful, doesn't it? Like It just seems like it's too much to me, man. I'm so tempted to just throw a little dart at Volkanovski and be like, he's been the man, he is the man. Why would he not continue being the man? The problem is he's facing this Russian monster that wouldn't look out of place at 170 pounds. He's coming up from 145 to challenge the 155-pound title holder. At a certain point, size matters. Like if these guys were the exact same size, exact same weight, then I think Volk probably is still the pound-for-pound king. And that's what pound-for-pound means. But at a certain point, size matters. And I think Islam is just going to be too damn big and too damn strong for him. I mean, those Russian vitamins they got those guys on since, you know, they were six. It matters. <laughs> yeah, and don't tell my girlfriend size matters. But what's the, uh, dude, what's the path to victory for a guy like beating Alexander Volkanovsky? And I know that Islam can beat you in a million different ways, but you remember that Brian Ortega fight where Ortega had him in a guillotine where I thought he, I thought he was going to pop his head off, Clint. And then he also had him in that triangle choke where I thought he was going to tap. If that didn't beat Volkanovski, what does? Like, how, how do you beat that guy? I, I don't want to talk about that fight. I had fight doesn't go the distance for a sizable bet that night. I hate that fight. Yeah, man, I, I have no idea what it takes to beat Volkanovski. And that's kind of that's kind of the key here, right? Like, I, I think Islam has to wet blanket him. I, I think Islam's going to just be bigger more physical, get on top of him, hold him down, grind the clock off. That's how I see this fight going. And if he can't do that, or if he doesn't have the gas to go 25 minutes with a, you know, ultra champion with that kind of a game plan, then Volk's going to be extremely live to punch his way back into this fight. But that's how I think you beat this guy. You got to nullify him. Clint, uh, going into, going into this year, we're hoping we're going to get the return of Francis Ngannou. I'm hoping like hell it's going to be against John Jones. What do you what do you think about the idea of betting on John Jones with so much time off? I mean, this is the greatest guy to ever do it, but we're getting something we haven't seen in a long time, but have wanted to see, which is going to be him at heavyweight. So many unknown factors. How much would you be willing to ride your money on John Jones in a fight against Francis Ngannou? Zero dollars is going to go on John Jones. Zero dollars of my money is going on John Jones. First off. I've just always been the biggest John Jones hater on the planet. Can't stand the guy. Don't like the guy. When I was younger and first getting into MMA, he was becoming the youngest champion on the planet in UFC's history. So because of that, I was a tidbit jealous. You know, I was just getting to know the sport, and this guy's uh, wrapping gold around his waist, fighting legends. And then it turned into, well, he's kind of a terrible human being. And that, you know, all the stuff came out that he ran into. And now he's been gone for so long. I know what 35 years old feels like. I know how my knees and back feel in the morning. Like, he's been away from the sport for two years, trying to transition up from where you're fighting at 205 to 265 pounds. That is a massive difference in weight. I don't know if his frame is built for it. I don't know if his body is built for it. I don't know if his mind is still in the game at this point. Like, I have no clue what we're getting from John Jones. I have zero interest in betting on him when he gets back, and I'm not convinced he ever comes back at this point, frankly. Follow Clint McLean at DieHardMMAPod. So he got the John question in. I'll take the other superstar that takes two years off every now and again and is also bulked up. I got the Conor McGregor question for you. What fight do you think makes the most sense when he does come back? Because 23 has got to be the year, right? Like, it feels like we're over a lot of the BS and the injuries. At some point this calendar year, I feel pretty good saying 
he's going to come back and fight. Who do you want to see him fight? You, you got to have a winnable fight for Conor McGregor. Frankly, that, that's all it comes down to. Like, he's the biggest star the UFC has ever seen, regardless of how bad he looks or what he does. He's got that star power. His name has that shine on it. The UFC has to have Conor McGregor in the win column. Now, don't get me wrong. He's also one of the most skilled fighters we've ever seen. But his last couple fights, man, he just looks shot. It looks like the, the hard life, the party life, it's gotten to him. The damage he's taken, it's piled up on him. Now he's coming off this long-ass layoff after snapping his leg in half. Like You don't know how people are ever going to return from that. You don't know what their confidence is like inside the cage. Can they check kicks? We don't know. So he's blown all the way up to, God, like 205 pounds it looks like right now. He's not going to fight at 155. They need to pick a 155er, preferably on the small side, who will agree to take him at 170 so he's not facing one of those monsters that actually fights at 170 pounds. Get the guy a win. I'm not sure who that person is because it's got to be someone that grabs the headlines. But they got to get somebody who he can get a dub over because if Connor comes back and loses another one, man, like – the, the diehards know the ship has sailed, but the casual fans don't know that yet. Everyone will know the ship has sailed if he comes back and loses. Clay, curious what you think about this. Uh, Ali Abdelaziz came out this week. He put an end to the rumors that Kamaru Usman was going to be on the shelf for a little bit with injury. So imagine that we will get some announcements sooner or later that him and uh, Leon are going to have their rematch. How do you think that goes? I mean, should you look at it like Leon Edwards had the worst fight of his life and then still came out with a win? Or do you think that it's, you know, Kamaru Usman, he was basically dominating that fight and the same thing should play out in a rematch? How would you, how would you diagnose their rematch if it comes around? That's that's the big question, isn't it, man? I, I That's another bad beat this year that I was on the wrong side of. I had Kamaru Usman in a big bet locked up ready to go in that fifth round. And frankly, guys, one thing that people forget, not only was that like the biggest comeback in UFC history, not only was it the knockout of the year 2022, but it never even should have happened. The referee stood him up in an awful position where he's let them work for the entire 25 minutes. That stand-up was gifted to Leon Edwards. They should have rode out the last minute and a half on, on his back. So like none of this should have ever happened. I think you got to go with Kamaru Usman if they run it back because, frankly, we've seen Leon Edwards can't hang with the pace, the grappling, the cardio. If he lands that big shot, he is always going to be live for that knockout, but he can be grinded on. And, and I think if they run it back, Kamaru Usman looked like a minus 400 favorite right up until he got caught. If Kamaru's still Kamaru, he should win that fight if they rematch it. Well, if we're talking about champions getting knocked out in the fifth round, i got to ask you about Izzy. It's a little bit different because we saw that fight with Pajeda, albeit in a different sport and a different organization before, but now it's 3-0, to zero, technically. Do you think we'll see that fight again, a rematch between Pajeda and Israel Adesanya? And what do you think the odds look like coming into that fight? Absolutely. We, we've got to see that rematch, right? Like, that was the whole point. Pereira got pulled into the UFC just to fight Israel Adesanya. It was a story beat. He was a giant name, the only guy that ever took this guy down. And frankly, that could have been an early stoppage. You know, that's one of those ones where you talk to Izzy and he was still all there. He was still rolling. He was trying to buy time. He didn't look great, but he was still in it. So that fight was close. That fight was competitive. Israel Adesanya had won, I think, three of the five rounds leading up until that fifth round. He needed the finish, and Alex did what he had to do to get it. They got to run that back. And honestly, man, I think you make it a pick em because Alex has shown us he's getting better. For a guy that's had no MMA experience training with Glover Teixeira, he's getting 
better every single time we see him in there. He's working on the grappling. He's working on his jujitsu. The wrestling looks good. His get-up game is on point. And he's the scariest bastard on the feet in the UFC right now. Like Israel Adesanya <laughs> himself wants nothing to do with this man in a kickboxing fight. So, yeah, I think you make it a pick em and you see who can, uh, who can come out on top. But they got to run it back, in my opinion. Clint, not sure how much of a boxing guy you are, so I don't know how much you've been following uh, the Jake Paul saga. But he now ventures over into uh, mixed martial arts and gets signed by the PFL this week. Don't know when we're going to see him in the mixed martial arts cage, but what did you, uh, what do you make of that news of him uh, maybe crossing over and, uh, and what do you make of PFL kind of getting into the Jake Paul business? You know what? These non-UFC organizations have all got to do something to close the gap, right? Like Bellator does the legend stuff. They're crossing over with, you know, Risen and 1FC. And PFL's got the million dollars up top. They can say that Kayla Harrison can beat anybody on the UFC roster. They got to have that thing that matches them up well with the UFC. Guys, Jake Paul makes headlines. Like, it, it, I would love to hate on the guy. He can be annoying. He can be frustrating. I wanted to see him get his ass knocked out when he started boxing UFC fighters, but he makes headlines. And you know what? We've got to give him props. We have absolutely got to put our swords away when it comes to Jake Paul. Everyone has always been yelling at him. Oh, we'll fight. Fight a real fighter, man. Go fight Anderson Silva. He did it. Fight. Okay, come fight MMA. Bro, he's doing it. Like, he just signed to fight MMA. Like, you've got to give Jake Paul the props that he deserves at this point because he's not running from anybody. He's not shying away from any of these challenges. I'm excited. I'm actually really excited to see what Jake Paul can do. I want to see him in a cage. I want to see him in a mixed martial arts fight. I think that's what's next, and I think that's a great pickup by the PFL. They're going to put some numbers up because they got Jake Paul on the roster. He's going to find some boxer now, BT, and then he's going to fight him MMA. That's what he's going to do. He's just going to go the opposite of what he did. He's going to find, like, you know, Ryan Garcia and decide to get, like, on the ground with him doing some sort of jujitsu. I, I don't know. It's a big name. We'll see if it ends up working out. we got a couple of minutes left here with Clint McLean at Diehard MMA Pod on Twitter. Um, we've talked a lot about belts changing hands and all that stuff. I don't know if you were with us right before uh, the commercial break, but BT and I were going back, back and forth about the popularity of certain fighters. And this is not a Masvidal versus Sean O'Malley argument because he already lost that one. But if I just pose you the question right now, who is the most popular fighter in the promotion? Who do you think it is? The most popular fighter in the entire promotion. I mean, it's I'm sorry, guys. It's right got to be Sean O'Malley. Has to be Thank Sean you. O'Malley. He's doing insane numbers. He's got the youth. He's got the following. He's got the look. Not only that, now he's proven he's a contender. Like, they've been pushing this kid since he won on Dana White's Contender Series. He's this close to a title fight. He's got to be the most popular guy on the entire roster right now. Uh, I mean, like, let's, you know, like, let's, <laughs> a little bit of a thought. Like, you know, headline something. It's like Sean O'Malley's, like, he's coattail riding on every pay-per-view. It's like, oh, the sugar show. The sugar. Such like, a hater. Like, that's, Let's, let's go and headline. Let's go actually go headline Madison Square Garden. Let's get The Rock to come and give a belt on some people. If you're going to start talking to me about it being more popular than people, a little, you know, I agree. I love watching Sean. Didn't the Rock give Masvidal his belt? He did, but The Rock was The Rock wasn't going to be around, <laughs> and then all of a sudden Masvidal is like, oh, it's like Masvidal is going to be there with Nate Diaz. Now all of a sudden The Rock's involved. When Sean O'Malley gets, you know, <laughs> one of these A-list superstars to come out just to a UFC event, then then, then we can start talking. Okay, all right. He's the Rock, when dude. It comes to Sean Who's bigger than the Rock? I, okay, Sean. I get it. I know. The I rock, get it. He's dude. the Rock. 
I saw the. Uh, the I know you think Andy Reid is the, the biggest celebrity in the world, but I'm t- the Rock, he's a bigger deal. Okay. No, no shots in Kansas City necessary. Uh, Clint McLean at Diehard MMA Pod joining us. Clint, it was a pleasure, man. Been following you for a long time. Good to finally get you on the show. My pleasure, guys. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Clint was so good that he was even able to make sort of an argument for the Minnesota Vikings. Do you know how hard that is to make a damn argument? Why pe- a real person should put real money on the Minnesota Vikings? Unbelievable. Uh, coming up next, get out your crystal ball. It's time to UFC into the future. You're locked into the Bet QL Network.